Nurse.com is proud to be a sponsor of the Ask Nurse Alice podcast. As the premier destination for nursing knowledge and resources, Nurse.com supports your passion for healthcare with an unrivaled collection of tools, articles, and courses tailored for the nursing community. Get your daily dose of things you need to know for your nursing journey. Discover the world of nursing like never before with Nurse.com. Empower your practice, advance your career, and enrich your knowledge. Nurse.com. It's your nurse life all in one place. Coming into like the working world of nursing, I've noticed a lot of males kind of gravitate towards like the critical care and the unit that Jake and I worked in when we first started uh, and how the podcast actually came up, our podcast, like the idea came up. It was just a bunch of, we actually had some nights where it would be about 10 male nurses and yeah, it was bro. Fest. Yeah. And it was like a bro fest. And we were just saying like, hey, why don't, like, imagine the stuff like we talk about at the nurse's station, but it's just a bunch of dudes talking. It should just make a podcast. And that's how the nurse's station became a thing. And the word nurse, like male nurse, honestly, like I would still get kind of little like made fun of here and there because of the movie, like Meet the Fockers or something like that. Yes, I was just saw that on yeah, TV the other so, day and I forgot about that dynamic that the whole joke was he was, was a, male a male nurse, nurse yeah. and he was weak and yeah i was like man that's so funny like in that short period of time already it's a little more normalized to be a male nurse but it's still there's always going to be some of that you're listening to ask nurse alice presented by nurse.org where alice benjamin combines no-nonsense advice with thought-provoking interviews Hello, friends, and welcome to the Ask Nurse Alice podcast, the show where we talk about anything and everything nursing and healthcare related. I'm your host, Alice Benjamin, clinical nurse specialist, family nurse practitioner, and chief nursing officer at nurse.org. And today's episode, I think you guys are really in for a treat. You may have heard of these gentlemen before. I'm sure you listened to their amazing podcast, um, The Merce's Station. I am bringing to you today to join the conversation. We have Jake Viscara, who is super duper experienced ICU nurse turned traveler, currently on a travel assignment right now, as well as his amigo and counterpart to his show. <laughs> we have Polino Tukruk. He is a former flight nurse, experienced travel nurse as well, and also on a travel assignment. <laughs> and But I thought it was real important to bring these gentlemen onto the show, you know, just to kind of talk about all things podcasts, talk about traveling. I also wanted to highlight the nursing experience as a male. So I think, you know, Obviously, we know that nursing is predominantly a woman's profession. However, I think it's really important that we talk about what the male experience is. According to the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, there are about more than 12% of nurses who are men. So I think it's really important that we highlight that experience to see what it is that we're doing right, not doing right. How can we better embrace our colleagues and things like that? So welcome to the show, guys. Hi, thanks for yeah, having thank us. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. Now, I know I just kind of just perused over your introduction, but I think the viewers definitely want to know a lot more about each of you and also tell us about where you're on assignment right now, if you can. Also, you guys have a very successful podcast show as well. I know you guys are on hiatus, but you're out saving lives right now. You yeah. know, you're, it's hard <laughs> to do a podcast and save lives at the same time, but you know, nevertheless, we want to talk about it. I think it's real important that we as podcasters also help and support each other, especially my fellow nurses. Okay. So Felina, we'll start with you. Tell the, tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself. Oh, awesome. Yeah. So I, I graduated into nursing at 2015. I became a traveling nurse in the ICU about two years starting in the ICU. 
And then I did another two years of travel nursing. My goal when I first started was just to do flight. That was my goal. And my travel assignments, I wanted to get into level one hospitals. I floated through that. And then I became a flight nurse uh, about two years ago. And I, I love that job. And I'm actually back on travel assignment because I just took a travel assignment where my family is. And so I'm back in Texas. So, And it's really hard for a flight nurse like because I had so much autonomy and I was just away from family so much. The schedules kind of kind of takes a toll on your personal life. So I'm glad to have kind of like a set schedule almost. Some normalcy because we do 24-hour shifts for a week straight. Knowing my schedule like and only working three days a week, even though it's a lot, it's nice to be with family coming home at the end of the night. And that's a smart way to do it, right? Travel on the travel assignments penny to get to where you need to right, be, right? Yeah. Include all of that whenever you can. That's super smart. And then just real quickly for those who may not be as familiar, we you know we hear the term flight nurse. You do 24-hour shifts. How? What's your commitment yeah, for something like so that? So usually it depends on uh, each company, but the normal like general schedule is you're you go you go into a base and it's a 24-hour shift. You kind of work as a EMS or firefighter schedule. So you're on the clock for 24 hours. And once you get the call, then that's when you get a patient or pick them up off the highway or something like that. And then you start working. And then once the schedule starts, we're kind of treated as like pilots. So you can only work for 16 hours at a time and then your mandatory downtime. So safety is the number one priority in that sense. So you can't work fatigued. You have to be able to say that I'm willing to go. There's a saying, three to go, want to say no. And if one person says, no, I don't feel comfortable taking this patient, the weather, the patient's too critical, they're not going to make it on the flight, then we'll say no. But I'll get a call at 2 a.m., just get woken up, and I'll work till 4 p.m., and then not get another call till like 4 a.m. And the circadian rhythm is really tough on my personal life. So it was rough, but I loved it. It was awesome. Okay. Well, let me just ask, do you know how to fly a plane? Is, if like something goes down, do you do you get behind me uh, and you're flying? <laughs> I would say no, but it's actually really cool. Like you, you can't, um, you get no flight training at all, but say we call them dead legs back. So like returning to base or something, you can't fly, but you can like sit up front in the co-pilot seat because it's single. A helicopter, I mean, it's small enough where you could just look like out the window and it's but there's no training if something goes wrong. So, yeah. So the pilots get yearly I'm physicals. You I'm, yeah. I'm picturing you flying while bagging. A yeah. No, that's not gonna happen. <laughs> getting some push. Getting some push ready. You know, like. Oh wow, uh, Jake, you got to tell us about yourself too. Oh, um, yeah. I've been an ICU nurse for a little over seven years. Started with Felino at the same hospital. It was um, kind of a level two pretty busy, typical trauma, medical ICU. My wife is also an ICU nurse. So a couple years into our nursing career, we kind of followed Felino's footsteps. He had told us about traveling. We thought that would be something that we wanted to do to kind of help us decide where we want to plant our roots and start our life. But, you know, three years and a pandemic later, and we're still kind of, I guess we're going to keep traveling <laughs> for a little bit because now it's, you know, nothing as exciting as flying helicopters but you know also nothing is scarier right because it's for some people colds can be super scary already as it is imagine being i don't know what is it 30 i don't know how high you're in the air well not 30,000 uh, i don't Jeff know how high a helicopter goes like in the air 30,000 40,000 
Okay, because wow. also that changes things like with ventilation and pressure. Yeah. And... You have to adjust. You actually, I was actually going to make a video um, like later on this week about oxygen duration because that coming back into bedside was a big thing. I was like, oh, the hospital here, like you have as much oxygen as you want, kind of like in a, in a sense. Uh, in a helicopter airplane, you you have a limited supply, so you have to time that correctly. Now it's it's a it's a different dynamic, but it, it's awesome. If you like being alone or working just one on one with somebody, now it's it's a great job. That's good to know, and I'd be interested to see that video because I don't know how long a D tank lasts. Yeah. Um. You know, in the ambulance we have like in the house tank. Yeah, the house tank. So yeah. the, mm-hmm. the big tanks in there, but yeah. then when we're on the gurney, like in the yeah, hallway, the anything could happen. Tank, right? Stuck in the elevator. Yeah. Oh my in, gosh! Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know Ooh, exactly yeah, what I'm talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yes. I imagine you guys love the travel life since you guys are still doing traveling. Kind of what's your take on the, the current situation with travelers? I mean, during the pandemic, everybody wanted to become a traveler. And it's like people were kind of leaving their bedside situations to travel. What are your thoughts on that? Do you think that's going to kind of be the movement, the future, that nurses are just traveling amongst hospitals, that maybe there won't be as many staff nurses? Or do you think people are going to go, yeah, okay, pandemic's over. Let's get back to my regular full-time job job. at the hospital. What do you guys think? As far as a model for sustainability in hospitals, yeah. I I think that this was already something that was going on pre-pandemic. And I think what this showed is just kind of the flaws in how the entire medical system is run. And it just kind of exacerbated everything. It's been interesting being a traveler. It used to be a thing where it was kind of a cool thing to have a travel nurse. Like it would be one of those things where everyone was like, oh, that's so cool. Tell me about it. I want to learn more. And then, of course, over the course of everything, you know, like there was a point in time where, you know, they were bringing in FEMA nurses that were getting paid, you know, close to $10,000 a week. And travelers are getting paid close to that. You know, unfortunately, the people that were stuck and their home hospital for whatever reason, whether it be like family, financial reasons, or like experience reasons. I think that just kind of helped create this sort of tension and division, a lot of jealousy, a lot of pettiness, a lot of, Haters you know, gonna hate. Haters gonna yeah. Hate. And I, I, and trying to see it from, <laughs> from both point of views, like I, I get it, but at the same time, like, you know, this is something that I was doing before COVID. This is something that I'm probably going to be doing post COVID, if there is such a thing as post COVID that I will probably be doing after that. And I'm not going to apologize for negotiating whatever pay I feel is necessary, you know, or that I deserve where I've gotten big pay bumps and I've been where I've gotten my pay cut as census drops. Like, so I think now it's starting to normalize back to where it was. I don't think the pay will ever get to the pre COVID levels, but it's not going to be where it was like peak Delta surge where people where FEMA nurses were getting ridiculous pay. And hopefully we don't get back to that point, but I don't know. We don't want to see those numbers because right. I took a couple COVID assignments. They were kind of like same day. It's kind of like working registry in a sense. I took some assignments and the pay sounded really good, but honey, when I got there, <laughs> I know why they were paying that much. So yeah. for those of you who are listening, like, Oh, I want to get paid that much. And they're travel, you know, like, yes, there's a, a glamorous side to it, but travel nurses for the most part, know their shit. They, they roll with the punches. They understand that it's not going to be, you know, all fun and that they're going to hit the floor running. So that's the other side of travel nursing that some people don't necessarily see or talk about as much. I'm pretty sure you both have kind of horror stories 
about when you've come in and when they give you the worst assignment, nobody wants to help you, no one wants to tell you where they are. You get paid the big bucks, you can figure oh, it out type of attitude that you, you know yeah. happens. And so let's stop being mean to our fellow travel nurses and our colleagues because they're there to help us, quite honestly. And listen, they could leave and then what will happen? Your assignment will double. Do you want that? We'll stop complaining. Okay. And so- also use it as a negotiation tool. Like to all the nurses there, like if there's crisis going on in your unit, use that opportunity. Like stand up for yourselves, negotiate better pay, better ratios, better staffing, things like that. Talk to travel nurses. They have good ideas about that kind of stuff because we're used to negotiating on sometimes a every three month basis. You know, I think that nurses kind of communicating and banding together is super important, especially right now. Right. And you raise a good point. So some of the nursing shortage, obviously, this was all pre-existing before pandemic. The pandemic just kind of just really amplified everything. If we really want to get back to having more core staffing, which I think every hospital wants, they want their core staffing so they don't have to pay for travelers. But you got to fix the condition. So until those conditions are fixed, I think travel nursing and the way that we supplement staffing, I think this is around for a while until we fix that underlying problem. Now, both of you are male and you're a, a nursing, which you know, nursing predominantly is mostly a, a woman's profession. And again, like I shared that statistic earlier, about 12, a little more than 12% of nurses are men. You know, just kind of curious, does that ever like really dawned on you as you were working the profession, even starting from nursing school? Like, do you feel like the experience of entering in the profession is as fair as it should be? Do you feel like you guys get it harder, especially in certain specialties? Like, I was, we just kind of want to hear the male perspective, you know, how assignments have been for you. Yeah, when I first started nursing school, so my family comes from uh, nursing, and it would always be my mom and aunts who were all nurses. And when I joined nursing school, I remember walking to the lecture classroom, and I was the one out of three males. And that's the first thing I kind of noticed. I was like, oh, wow, there's a lot of women in here. And they're super smart. I'm just like this kind of meathead guy. Like, <laughs> like, oh, man, I need to like step up my game. And then when I graduated in 2015, I actually looked at that uh, statistic and I think it was like 10% about seven years ago. So coming into like the working world of nursing, I've noticed a lot of males kind of gravitate towards like the critical care and the unit that Jake and I worked in when we first started uh, and how the podcast actually came up, our podcast, like the idea came up. It was just a bunch of, we actually had some nights where it would be about 10 male nurses and yeah it was bro fest. yeah and it was like a bro fest and we were just saying like hey why don't like imagine the stuff like we talk about at the nurse's station but it's just a bunch of dudes talking it should just make a podcast and that's how the nurse's station became a thing and the word nurse like male nurse honestly like i would still get kind of little like made fun of here and there because of the movie like meet the fockers or something like that Yes, I was just saw that on yeah, TV the other so, day, and I forgot about that dynamic. That the whole joke was he was, was a, male a male nurse, nurse yeah. and he was weak. And yeah, I was like, man, that's so funny. Like in that short period of time, already it's a little more normalized to be a male nurse, but it's still there's always going to be some of that, you know. And I think you raise a good point because sometimes Hollywood isn't kind to nurses, even nurses overall. You know, like if you see in movies and stuff, like the doctor is always the savior and the hero Mm -hmm. and the nurse is like, we're just like some sidekick or we're some airhead or we're some like uh, nurse ratchet type of person. (laughs) Um, And I, so I blame Hollywood for a lot of that because, and I'll say this, having worked in ICU and ER, 
I think I see, now I'm thinking about it, like there, I feel, I have a lot of male colleagues that have worked in the area and listen, I'm just going to be quite candid when the person that's coming, that's obviously on some form of like meth or some, some type of illicit drug that has it <laughs> super strong and super like when it, when they're like calling, calling the code to like help to try to restrain oh, the right. person. That's not me. I'm going to the drug room. I'm going to go get the, the yeah, Ativan yeah. and I'm going to mm-hmm. go grab the restraints and stuff. And I'm going to let you guys do what you do because I know my strengths and my weaknesses and I'm not super strong. You guys will see a video. I don't, I'm not strong. <laughs> and I appreciate my male colleagues absolutely a hundred percent because I think we're, we're both needed. I think women and men are both needed in nursing. We all come with our strengths and I think collectively it's, it's good to see us all there. And I think that we all have something special to bring to the table. Yeah, of course. But it's interesting how you say that. I also see them in flights. I see them like in the EMS type of system. Uh, why do you think that is? I think there's something to... There is a little bit of having to make up for the fact that you're in kind of a feminine field by sometimes having to, at least I've noticed there's a kind of extra masculinity that I'm going to (laughs) show because I'm going to be super bro in this medical field. And some of that maybe is compensation. And some of that is just, you know, it is what it is. That's just kind of the male, I don't know, perspective. But yeah, like you mentioned, um, helping restrain combative patients or helping lift super fat 500 pound guy that's usually kind of where the go-to ask on that for sure in flight uh in in my kind of like the ems world i've noticed it's more of like a you try to be like this macho kind of guy i would say and it's a a lot of a firefighter kind of theme yeah Mm -hmm. like but honestly um most of my colleagues in my flight world were uh female and I wouldn't be where I am today because of them, because they were so smart. And some tougher than the oh, guys, yeah, honestly. For sure. Like there's some <laughs> badass girls. Well, when you said with. you're getting the out of anniversary, that's me of. actually. <laughs> I'm like, I am not I'm not touching that. Like <laughs> I picture you running, ladies, yeah. help. And listen, the person that's coming in, it could be the little old most unexpecting little old lady who's like strong and like throwing chairs and like busting mm-hmm. through, running around half naked through the <laughs> ER and like nobody yeah. can take grandma down. So I'm just yeah. like, if grandma is that strong, <laughs> there's no way that I have stand a chance. So let me go and get this hat yeah. get an extra big needle. Cause I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to shoot it through those jeans that she has on. <laughs> like I just, that's just what it is. But the reason why I want to talk about this, I don't think that we give our male nurses enough kudos because male Males in nursing are considered a minority. So we talk a lot about, you know, African-Americans, Hispanics, Asians, and things like that. When we look at diversity, I think it's also very important that we include, you know, our men in there as well, because I think that historically, maybe men have been discouraged from going into nursing because as you said, Jake, that it can be deemed as more like a, a feminine orator because it's been predominantly women and things like that. And I think historically, you know, that is the case, has been the case, but what I'm saying is that I think it's really important that we have a lot of diversity in nursing, and that can really help us to eradicate some of the issues we've also had in nursing when it comes to like implicit bias, you know, gender discrimination, like all of these things. And I think one of the way we fix that is to make sure that everyone is represented in nursing. I think it's super duper uber important. And then also I will continue to say I love working with my male colleagues, especially in the ER, because again, these arms, these guns that I got are good for the med room and the Ativan <laughs> and grabbing the restraints. I'm going to need someone to really, you know, uh, a counterpart to help me with actually getting them on the patient. Uh, Felino, you were mentioning 
you guys were like having a, almost a bro fest. The whole shift must have been male staff. And then you guys kind of talked about having a podcast. So after that shift, what were the next steps you guys took? And then like, tell us a little bit more about the podcast. Yeah. So our podcast is very informal, I would say. Super it, informal. It, I love it. During that bro fest and during like, uh, we work night shift. So during night shift, there is a little bit of downtime and we would just talk about mm-hmm. just talking about nothing, you know? And we were like, I think we're having interesting conversations. So let's just like have uh, an episode of, and we trial the, like the first yeah. three. And the first one was uh, like updating whiteboards and it got a lot of uh, like hits and we were like, okay, what else can we talk about? And the next shift we had like student nurses on the, and they were asking us like, what do you want from student nurses? So we started bringing on student nurses on the show. And then my best friend a lot of funny poop, poop stories, stories and know, then stuff like we, that uh, we started having guests on the show my my pharmacist friend he was like hey like can i shed light on what pharmacy uh, deals with with nursing because you know like everyone's like pharmacy so slow like i'm calling them for a stat mm-hmm. med and he's like i want to like flip the script on that like how our nurses yeah. like dealing with pharmacists so why we hate you yeah, guys exactly right right <laughs> yeah, yeah that's interesting but that's good to kind of yeah open up that communication line so we can clarify like oh this is what you think of me well when i do this yeah. this is what i really mean but this you can turn yeah. it like this that's how we improve the process actually yeah, exactly. by kind of yeah. tackling am i an annoying out. nurse am i doing stuff that's horrible yeah yeah that whole thing. Like that. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. That. <laughs> how come nothing's ever in the inbox when i come by looking for yeah. my meds like the in, the pharmacy yeah. inbox is always empty the outbox always full mm. but Oh, yeah, let let me stop. I don't want to get in trouble by any <laughs> But you know what? Wait, no lie though. I've been caught on there like, oh shit. Yeah, it's, it's always and then in the like fridge. three three of the doses of what I'm looking <laughs> for all there. I'm like, yeah. oh shit. Let me put this in the outline. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that literally happened to me. That happened to me this week after four super passive aggressive messages to pharmacy, and it's like, hey, dumbass, look in the fridge. Like, yeah, I still make that mistake. <laughs> Well, see, and look, and that's, I'm so glad you guys are being transparent. So those of you who are listening, don't let this happen to you. Learn through, vicariously through <laughs> some of our mistakes here. Even looking at some of the podcast episodes that you guys have done, it seems like really interesting. Like, I know you guys are on a hiatus right now because you guys are saving lives, but the types of charge nurses. Oh, right. Um, right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. NICU nursing. Like, I love my NICU nurses because I just wouldn't want to do it. It's I just so don't hard. know. Uh, the, the lines, like, I don't even want to try to maintain a line and someone that little. Right, they're uh, so yeah. small. And the little ET tubes scare me, you know? Like everything. Or doses yeah. of morphine, like um, .0 have... something. And, yeah. And like, oh my gosh. The dosing scares me. I love working in the ER, but let me just be transparent. I hate when I have to dose Tylenol or Motrin or something. Because I don't get kids all the time. But when you get it, we're like, three of us are together. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. How do I dose That's good, though. Like, what is that? But at least in ICU, when it comes to doing drips and it's weight-based, I got the, uh, the, pump, the pump to help pump, me yeah. out because they have the guardrails. But there's no guardrails for the Motrin. Like someone can tell you, but you still kind of want to double check. Always double check, Always. guys. Kind of do that math to make sure. Because even to bring it back to the pharmacists, we love our pharmacists. They're very knowledgeable, but they're human too. So they're prone to making mistakes. So it's always good to double check the math when it comes to weight-based drugs. And know the weight too. That's another thing. Yeah, that's a big one. Sometimes you'll get a weight from like seven days ago. No one has weighed the patient. Like, yeah, that happens a lot, a lot more than... I think hospitals would care to admit. See, these are things that travel ICU nurses know, guys. So don't think that we're being anal. Because let me say this. ER nurses. Because I work ER and ICU, so I feel okay, you know, talking about my peeps. ER nurses think ICU nurses are so anal and so 
whatever. And then ICU nurses just think like ER nurses, like jack of all trades, experts of nothing. I don't know what that phrase is, but it's just like, we have this like sibling rivalry, but at the end of the day, we, you know, we still do what we got to do for the patient. We just, sometimes our methods are way different about how we do stuff. Yeah. And until you've walked a mile in somebody's shoes, you know, like I've been floated to ER. That's a different world, a different skill set, different time management. Like, and I couldn't do it. Like I'm used to being an ICU nurse. Like you said, like I'm probably am super anal. Like I would hate to <laughs> give me a report. You're going to do the yeah, full yeah. assessment. You're going to do the full assessment on oh, everyone. Oh, I'm knowing everything, oh. you know? And that's just not realistic in ERs. Like, it's just not possible with what is expected of them. No, because the jeans and the tennis shoes are still on. So there's no way you could have worked <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yet on your assessments within normal limits, within normal limits, within normal limits. Exactly, not that yeah. you should ever fabricate charting. Guys. I'm not, that's not what I'm promoting. I'm just <laughs> saying that that's kind of what I've seen. Anyways, I'm not bashing anybody. I mean, because I've worked in both areas. I get it. Sometimes... The priorities are different. It's like in ER, we just want to keep you alive. Right. We just want to keep you alive, patch that hole and get you to Jake and Felino where they're going to take off the pants and the shoes and stuff and then check all of that other stuff because you came in for sore throat or whatever. I don't know. Not that you'd get admitted for that, but it could be something. (laughs) Maybe you have an abscess and need surgery, but uh, you're still in plain clothes. I haven't even put you on the telemonitor, but we're taking you up there. To the right. floor to get admitted, but everything's within normal limits. Within normal limits. Within normal limits. Working through travel, like we either pick up from the ER, or deliver to the ER, and deliver them to the ICU, or even tele floors, menstrual floors. And I would always get the report from the ER nurse. I'm like, okay, it's like kind of a basic report, and then they're going to the ICU. So, and then the ICU would be when I deliver them. Too much like, report. Oh, like. The nurse over there at the Asking ER every thing. didn't give me a good report. And I'm like, we picked up a, a patient in a rural hospital and there's like 15 people waiting and for that one nurse. Like, she's not going to know. Like she, she was glad that we were there. It's like, hey, take the patient and go. So they're griming over this uh, basic yeah, Like, I'm sorry, I don't know. The patient had mono in seventh grade. Yeah. Sorry. And I'm like, yeah, you need yeah. to work together. Like, it's fine. It's yeah. it's fine if they come up in jeans or t-shirt. Like, that's your job as an ICU nurse to, like, get the patient yeah, ready, we'll admitted, you know. I agree. Right. Getting them to the specialty that's going to best suit them. So ER is not the place where we hold patients and take care of people 24-7. It's really get in, triage, any immediate needs, we'll address those right away. Otherwise, get them to the exactly. floor. Get them to wherever they're mm-hmm. going. And especially before midnight, because that's when the charge drops. <laughs> that's yeah, what yeah. the manager say. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. A little dose of truth there. Just that's so you guys funny. Know, ever yeah. wondering why does, why is ER push? Like, why is, like, why do they got like seven patients coming up like a, right before midnight? Because that's when the charge drops. Wherever bed that patient is come midnight, that's what the hospital is billing, billing for the day. insurance. So mm-hmm. everybody collectively, I guess, for business purposes, would want their patients inpatient bed because ER is considered outpatient. I don't know if some of y'all know that, but you know now. It is. That we build different. We build like... Even like the holding areas, like if they create beds, that still counts as outpatient? So Right. If you're cons- if they put you like an obs- observation right. status, that's also still considered oh. outpatient. Well, I yeah, didn't so the billing that. is okay. different. Even billing, like, you know, like you'll have like 100 cc's going an hour or mLs. Let me get it right, right? 100 <laughs> mLs an hour going for your <laughs> IV tubing con- or IV continuous on the floor. In the outpatient setting, we bill you based on start time and end time. So our INOs really... In the wow. ER, outpatient are supposed to be really tight because that's how we bill. So gotcha. not everyone's great on their charting. I, and I'm and this is good that we're talking about this because just in case you were everyone like, why is the charge nurse like why are these audits 
get off my back, lady. Like, you know, <laughs> this is why in the outpatient and the ops, even if you're on the inpatient floor, but you're in an observation status, that they build differently. You're, you're billed as an outpatient. So just a little gotcha. side note for you guys that are listening. Mm. But this is good. This is the stuff we like to talk about. And so, and I really enjoyed talking to Felino and Jake and the Bro Fest. It sparked this podcast. <laughs> you guys are on hiatus. When are y'all coming back? What's the what's the what's the status? What's the plan? So we can get folks to kind of tune in and continue to support and follow you guys. Well, Jake and I uh, have been actually texting about a new episode lately. It's kind of hard because now that I'm on a regular kind of RN schedule, so now it could be I can work three days and then Jake will be off those three days. And yeah, we've been on like opposites. Opposite. Like it's weird. You're Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and I've been working like Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Like it's weird. Like, but we are coming back. We're gonna make an effort. Yeah. I feel like all COVID stuff kind of threw us off, and then we got we stopped the very... we stopped in the like first wave of COVID, right? Yeah. Yes. So. Yeah. Uh, Jake and I still do a little bit in interviews here and there, and we still talk to our listeners because they still message the page, and they're always asking for new episodes, but. A lot of them ask uh, for advice. So they'll ask like Jake for advice on traveling or me for flight. So we're still very involved in our listeners. Um, we just haven't created content per se. Well, that's good. I mean, they miss you. I'm glad that they're still engaging with you. And we're happy to, you know, share this episode through nurse.org oh, yeah. so because you guys have a lot of information to share. I think you guys could be a really great resource to folks on a variety of different mm -hmm. things. So I'm so glad that you were able to join us. I can't wait for you guys to relaunch the podcast. Alex, hey, y'all want to have me on? Yeah, I'm heck yeah. On and chat with <laughs> oh, you guys. <laughs> and we time. can just chop it up. <laughs> ICU, I don't want to say ICU versus ER because, you know, we're all friends. But there definitely is a sibling rivalry oh, between for sure. ICU and ER. And then, Felino, the fact that, well, I only do ground uh, transport. You do flight. Ooh. So, I mean, I have some really interesting stories. I'm sure you do, too. Because listen, you have to just make it happen It's um, in transport. Ditch medicine. Listen, code three. Code well, three, I, yeah. Do you guys, how do you do code three in flight? Do you do, well, pray. there's no such thing as code three in flight. <laughs> pray, we're just praying, right. And just for those of you guys that don't know, code three in the um, ambulance, we're like running sirens and going through lights and stuff, trying to get quickly get there. But that was interesting. You guys don't have code three. No, we no, uh, not like you're running any lights in the air or anything. If you call medevac, <laughs> I mean, medevac gets priority over, you know, like airliners and commercial flights. But I mean, flight time is your flight time. So you got to do what you got to do. If, is there a bathroom up there? Uh, <laughs> there's that's that's another story for like, like, uh, there's a lot of bathrooms. <laughs> so where do you got to go? There's nothing. Uh, no. Oh. Yeah, I can imagine. Well, uh, thank you so much to Felino and Jake uh, from the Merces station joining us today to talk about, we talked about a few different things. So I appreciate your perspectives for you to reconnect with your audience, our audience. And then listen, I wish you guys nothing but the best. Um, just real quickly, how can people follow you and just even binge listen on your the shows that you guys have done? Yeah, so you can uh, follow us on Instagram at the Merces station. And you can listen to our episodes on Apple Podcasts and uh, Spotify. You just look up the Mercy Station and all the episodes are right there. Okay. And then individually, you guys have Instagrams that we can follow? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I do. Um, they're like, oh, no, not really. Um. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, I'm not that, you know, Felino is more of the social networker, but feel free to follow me. My Instagram is BigDamnHero616. Yeah. Send me a message. Follow. I'll follow back. I will heart all those pictures <laughs> mine is uh what about you at felino on instagram 
I have a pretty big following on TikTok, which uh, gives a lot of uh, information on flight. There's a lot of humor on there. And that's at Flight Nurse Felino. Love it. Thank you so much to you both for joining us, guys. Make sure to check out the Mercy Station, follow them on Instagram, and really engage. This is our opportunity. We really like to you know, bring people on the show so you guys can learn from them, follow them. And it's all really about uplifting other nurses as well. So fellow po- from fellow podcaster to fellow podcaster, thank you so much for being a guest on my show. I love it. Thank Nurse.org, you so much. Thanks you as well. And guys, for those of you who are listening, sharing is caring. So make sure to share this podcast with your friend, your colleague, your coworker. Heck, send it to your nurse manager because they probably need you know a little humor <laughs> and education in their life as well. And also leave a, a review, rate it. Let me know what you think. Also, you can email me at nursealice at nurse.org. If you have an idea or suggestion or something you want us to talk about, happy to do so. That's the show, guys. So until next time, please make good choices, be kind to one another, and live well, my friends. Thanks for listening to Ask Nurse Alice. Visit nurse.org for nursing career, education, and community resources.